Welcome to Turntables. I'm just grabbing We're doing levels. the White Album. <laughs> I'm grabbing levels right now, but I can. Uh... Oh, that's great. Uh. <laughs> I'll just keep it rolling anyway. Uh, yeah, you, you can hear our pre-show ritual. Yeah, this is our season one finale. Any any words of wisdom on our 2023 output and. Particular favorite records, times, quotes. Oh, that's kind of fun. Retrospective. Well, I, I have the benefit of being the guy who edits them all, so I hear all of our little quips here and there. Yeah. I do remember on episode three, we really went with like this dentist joke. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> episode three, that was the Great Big Pebble Blues. Yes, it okay. was. And we were, Bruno, right? We, I think there was an offhand comment about like. This podcast is recommended by like Four nine out of yeah nine, nine out of ten dentists. Yeah. I wonder how many dentists like the White Album. Probably more than listen to our podcast, if I had to guess. But that's mm. not a hard. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put it like that, looking at our competition, I feel like it's not like I should feel bad about that. <laughs> I, I'm really trying to think of a way to segue us back into the Beatles, but I don't know if there's any. In the spirit songs. of totally not doing that, we should do a live cover of Shiny Teeth on Me and like a random up for our hundredth episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're both musicians here. When are we gonna cover Chip Skylark on this? That's podcast? a real question. Chip Skylark and um I do want to cover a intentionally we pick it because we like that it's bad record i think that would be fun such as smash mouth's 2012 release magic which is unfathomably bad oh man what what's the wildest take we've had on here so far that that zeppelin sucks ted tangent on the pavement on, episode on the, pavement. <laughs> the led zeppelin wishes they could have written uh freaking grave architecture and I, I, I want to correct myself. I mean, half a canyon, not grave architecture. I know. The, the nerds out there are going to be like, he actually said this in reference to grave architecture because it has that one riff that I'm, sounds like it could be a lead. <laughs> I'm excited for our first someone pointing out a correction because that means people are actually listening <laughs> and not just throwing it out in the background while they do their yoga smoothies. Yeah, I mean, even so, that's... But if, if that's how you listen to us, then by all means. Yeah, let, I'd love to join you while you're drinking a smoothie. Yeah, man. Save some for us. Um, I'm trying to think of other hot takes we've had on here. Conventionally hot in terms of, like, other people's music criticism. I know that we've tackled both a Pitchfork 10 and a Pitchfork 0. Right. I, didn't they give Zyreka a 0 at one point, too? Oh, that's true. We've tackled so two, two, two zeros. zeros. <laughs> and those are both, like, so much better than... They gave The Big Day by Chance the Rapper the coveted 6.9... Which is ah. also what they gave Demon Days by Gorillaz. Uh, okay. th those two those two albums giving the same score is like, I... <laughs> I'm actually mid-listening to Demon Days, and like I kind of get that, but I don't, I don't, I don't know The Big Day. Um, but oh. Demon Days at least has like hits on it that I can say like a lot of the songs that are popular from that record are popular for a reason. Like Feel Good Ink rocks, Dirty Harry rocks, Dare rocks. Yeah, man. Even if some of the rest of the track, sick music the... videos too. Oh, absolutely. Have you heard the new album yet? No, the I Cracker haven't. Island. New at the time of this recording, of course. Yeah, always with a little bit of. It's, it's going to be toward the end of the year by the time this comes out, but. Yeah. Um... Uh, it's pretty good. Maybe I'm feeling a seven or seven point five on it. Okay. Yeah. I missed Song Machine. I, I haven't Song heard Machine that was quite one. Good. I think I gave that one an eight. Heard a lot yeah. of good things about it. A lot of people said it's the best one since Plastic Beach. I'm inclined to agree. Humans now, now. 
Anything else? I think those were the only two. Yeah. Um, I Humans is one of my least favorite albums. At least when I scored it last time and when I listened to it last time, it Seems was like just like critical appraisal puts Demon Days and Plastic Beach Heads and Tails above the rest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. I think we're both speaking of hot takes. We prefer Tusk to Rumors. Yeah, that's our that's our Fleetwood Mac hot take that yeah. hasn't been dropped as of as of yet. I'd be happy to pick either or both. In yeah, the future. I've actually because I'm. I feel like I only pick stuff from the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, so I'm going to try going forward to pick yeah, stuff. I guess I've been our 70s and 60s champion or yes, in you the have. picks, yeah. <laughs> um, you might choose Floating Into the Night one of these weeks. Well, <laughs> that would be very me. Should, should we Should we get it beatily? We, we can. I mean, I might even cut this up into a separate episode if we want. Wouldn't it be funny if we we drop the White Album episode and we never talk about any of the songs? It's just this. For <laughs> and like we just an give our scores at the end. Just so yeah, the White Album's a. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny. Maybe this is a Patreon thing. Oh yeah. Like a Patreon cutting room floor kind of thing. Unedited episodes on the Patreon. That's that's natural enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we can get to the White Album if you're so inclined. Yeah, Beatles, you might have heard of them. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, George Harrison, two of them are still alive. Place your bets on who. (laughs) 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 Vote now on your phones. (laughs) Yeah, they they need no introduction. We could give them one anyway. Yeah, I think we can maybe introduce the album specifically a little bit more. I feel like if you don't know who the Beatles are and you're listening to a music podcast, I mean... um, Good for you. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, I never thought it we'd takes do the effort. intro. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I know this is kind of the most, this is their longest album. Yeah. And I think from what I've read and what I've heard, uh, this is the album where they kind of wrote the most individual songs. A lot of this was sessions where everyone kind of picked a corner and started just writing stuff. There's a lot of mythos to the White Album recording sessions. They're yeah. very shrouded in mystery and lore and just like an overall sense of wonder. <laughs> and I feel like the music also kind of lines up with that. It's among their strangest material, certainly their most eclectic batch of songs, even just by nature of there being 30 of them and their love of genre dabbling throughout their peak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And throughout these 30 songs... You naturally get some people who are really big fans of some and really not big fans of some others. Yeah, I feel like two of two of the most hated Beatles songs are on this album. And that'd be Revolution 9 and, and Wild Honey Pie are the two that come to mind. I think both Honey Pies are kind of like the OG Honey Pie on the second disc is like some people find it cute and charming. Other people are like, why is this here? Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit like... It is a weird spot, and while we're talking about the two discs, I, or two, you know, records, or however you prefer to listen, um, I do tend to prefer the first of those more. Yeah. Do you have a favorite of the four sides? Hmm. My, I'm a second side guy. I think I'm a second side guy, too. It's nine tracks. You got the Animal Trilogy. Mm-hmm. You got the, the couple of little love songs closing it out. You got a Paul love song at track 16 and a John love song at 17. Part of the fun of this record is you can do the try and search and separate like the joke tracks, quote-unquote, from well, the real tracks. Yeah, yeah. But I far prefer to just look at all 30 of them and be like, okay... 
what does this mean to me at this particular listen? Or, like, what did it mean to them back in 1968, which is, gosh, as of recording right now, 55 years ago. Right, yeah. It is It is reaching the, uh, the big numbers here. And... Which is kind of surprising with how fresh some of the still feels. Honestly, there's a lot of... They have lightning in a bottle for, like, a solid five years of rock history there. Yeah. And more quality records than most could ever hope for and then they all did solo projects and fumbled and tripped except for george harrison yeah <laughs> i like paul's 70s stuff but everything since then has just been kind of eh. and i'm i'm being harsh i i do like some of everyone's output solo even ringo even ringo even ringo, even ringo. ringo's silica is adorable it's like really it's He's just like i want to do country ballads yeah <laughs> yeah it's like What's the song I'm thinking of from Rubber Soul that's like a Ringo Country What goes on? Yeah, What Goes On. It's like What Goes On, but like an album's worth. And I was like, cool, that's nice. Like, naturally from Hull. They're gonna put me in the movie. They're gonna make a big star out of me. I remember someone I know, that's like their least favorite song ever. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Act Naturally is the worst <laughs> song they've ever heard. Damn. Like, it's not like my favorite, but it's cute. Are we ever going to release that Us Ranking the Beatles discography video? Yeah, sure, why not? Alright, cool. <laughs> I'll have to find it. It might still be on my computer. But Man. we have ranked all the Beatles songs if you really want to hear it during this. But I, I'll spare you the anything that isn't in the top ten, I'll spare you from hearing. I guess the natural question is which songs from the White Album made the cut of your top ten? I, I think mean, a couple of them did. I, yeah, two of them did. Yeah. I believe Happiness is a Warm Gun was number eight. And I'm So Tired was number two. Wow. I love that song. So that is my dad's least favorite Beatles song. Which is so funny because your dad's favorite Beatles song is, is Lovely, Lovely Rita, Rita which, is... which is one of my least favorite. Wow. I've, I've, it's grown on me since, but like Big Bill and I had kind of a, a Beatles rivalry going for a bit there, unknowingly. Mm. <laughs> a band with over 200 songs spanning a bunch of... Your, your classic early 60s sound morphing into like their art rock explorations up until like Abbey Road and Let It Be. You're mm. gonna have differences of opinion throughout. It, I, I'm always fascinated by like the, the Dark Horse favorites. Like Alice Cooper's favorite Beatles song is You Won't See Me from Rubber Soul. That like, right. you won't see me. Not only is it a Dark Horse me. pick in general, I would have never guessed Alice Cooper of all people. <laughs> Like, yeah, he has a soft side. I would have been like, oh, she, you know, she's so heavy. I want you is what she's I would have She's so heavy is John Legend's favorite Beatles song. I, I don't mean to brag, but I watched a four-minute video on celebrities' favorite Beatles songs <laughs> and remembered my favorites. I, I think I'm trying to remember the Beatles' own favorite songs of mm. their own discography. All four of them cited Happiness as a Warm Gun as the best track on this particular record. Nice. So, one of the last things they agreed on, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I know Ringo prefers Here Comes the Sun in general, but I can't remember anything else. That's their most played favorite. song on Spotify. George wrote their biggest solo track. And it's a good pick for most popular Beatles song. I think it's 
it's a perfect springtime song yeah yeah sorry to get us off focus again oh there's this there there will be a record number of tangents in this one because like beatles is like formative for me man and, and for you. Yeah, yeah i was gonna say like, yeah. the, i remember the, the white album was a big deal because it was for my brother's eighth birthday and like dad let me listen to the whole album before he gave it to kyle so that like Although he made an edited version of the White Album that was only 22 of the 30 tracks so that it would fit on one CD, cutting out his least eight favorites. Which included I'm so one tired. of my favorites. And Sexy Sadie and Happiness is a Warm Gun because we were eight and ten at the time. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, if you don't look into the lyrics of Happiness is a Warm Gun, you know... And there's the very sad irony that John Lennon wrote that in 1968 and 12 years later was shot by a man with a gun. Well, yeah. Uh, but where are we going to start with this? Yeah, we, we've glossed over a few tricks. I'm I'm trying to keep this as informal and messy as possible just because of the album being kind of like that I guess that that's too. a good point, yeah. But I'll just say that Blackbird is a beautiful song and yeah. like one of the all-time best Beatles compositions. That is... I mean, like, it's a staple, it's a classic, everyone loves it, but, like, good. Yeah, deservedly so. <laughs> Correct. <I> <laughs> Correct! <laughs> Plankton in the back of the... I mean, that's just one of the, like, that's one of the songs people start learning guitar for, because mm. it's, like, such an appealing little guitar line, and... Is that... That's, that's an entirely Paul song, right? Mm. Yeah, Paul on guitar and vocals. I like how it's a sandwich between Piggies and Rocky Raccoon as well. You got, like, that little animal trilogy. Yeah, yeah. While we're on the animal trilogy, I just have to say, Rocky Raccoon deserves better. Yeah, some people hate this one. I don't get it. It's, like, a really awesome, like, <laughs> honky-tonk ballad. Like, what's what's the deal? <laughs> I love that one. Like, for Brits, they, they nail American Western Saloon 1850s culture. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. It's, like, hyper-violent guns. Gideon's Bible. <laughs> the Bible. Women being, you know, McGill, easily stolen. Which Will, is Nancy. <laughs> all of the names for, for our uh, heroine. I always pictured Rocky Raccoon as kind of like Rigby from regular show, like an actual raccoon. It's like, it's like 11 minute Western ballad, like somehow extend the song length to be about like him, like on a really impassioned solo episode of regular show, just like s discovering himself in the West. <laughs> Honestly, JG Quintel could animate like the plot of this song and I would eat it up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like to think if the Beatles had happened a few decades later, we'd have a lot of kick kick ass music videos for like our favorite tunes from this one and the years preceding it. Yeah. Very music video less band aside from a few like obviously Magical Mystery Tour as a whole is like a music video movie. Yeah, for that first side. Yeah. Yeah. Is that still your favorite Beatles record, the Magical Mystery Tour? I believe so. The MMT of MGMT, if you will. <laughs> I, I think so. I haven't scored anything officially, but I, I Except do. Except for this one, Hardy Hardy. Well, hard. yeah. <laughs> you forced my hand. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I avoided scoring the Beatles discographies for so long just because it's like, the nostalgia and the formative experience is so overwhelming that I, it, it is going to influence my score. It has influenced my score. So take a huge grain of salt with my 
opinions because I'm biased to like it because I listened to it as a kid. Yeah, and that's part of what makes the Beatles for me a, kind of a singular band. Like that intimate familiarity. We used to just loop these CDs oh, yeah. all the time in the car back in the day. We had the number one hits collection. Rubber Soul was a big yeah, one. Yeah, same here. Rubber Soul one. Um, Probably heard those songs over a hundred times each. It's just ingrained in us. Yeah, my dad does not like to pick favorites, but his favorite three Beatles records are this one, Rubber Soul, and Abbey Road. Those are my three favorites. Nice. <laughs> and your dad's named Kevin. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that just beautiful? It just goes to show you stuff. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except for Me and My Monkey. That's one that doesn't do it as strongly for me. Uh, yeah, that. I, now that I think about it, that is another one of those like some people have contention with. I don't have contention with the, it, but it's just that like... That blurring cowbell. <laughs> it's just mixed so high. <laughs> Why is it so present in the mix? I love when it goes like like a couple times and then just never happens again. That's just really funny to me. That's Let's talk about that. Let's follow that thread here. Because, okay, because there's a lot of moments on this album yeah. where it's like one cool thing once and then doesn't show up again. Right. Leave them wanting more core. Glass Onion comes to mind. That little string outro is so dope. It's really it's like, like foreboding. Onion. Yeah. yeah. It's... On just track three. And then it's, you know, obviously the tension is dispelled immediately. The walrus was Paul. That's like such conspiracy fuel. I they're trolling, and I love oh, it. Yeah. And that's another thing about this record, like the, the whole Paul is dead thing. There's like extended video essays on like the validity of certain pieces of that puzzle. And then <laughs> of course there's the whole Manson case that this album kind of oh, sparred yeah. on because he he heard piggies and was like, well clearly I need to murder two butchers. And then he heard Elder Skelter and was like, well clearly I need to murder Sharon Tate and everyone else on that property. He's like, oh my god. And like when George Harrison found out, he was like mortified. He had to take like a few weeks break from songwriting. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's just something. I mean, they're to this day still like the biggest name in music. Full stop. I mean, and that's a lot of pressure. And you know, your creations as that person can do so much to so many people, unintentionally, of course. I mean, I don't think Piggies is subliminally saying. Murder these people, murder these butchers, you know. And, gosh, I, I, I can kind of, in a sympathetic light, see getting really engrossed into art and looking for hidden meaning that can somewhat impact your own life. It's yeah. when you bring cult-like violence into the equation that it gets haywire. Right, right. <laughs> I know, famously, John Lennon, when writing I Am the Walrus, a lot of that was fueled by, like, people who were trying to find meaning and you know john being the countercultural person that he is was like meaning all right find meaning in this bet (laughs) (laughs) and i am the walrus one of my favorite parts of rock history a little old german dorm room in like 1968 1969 a couple of guys were studying directly under stockhouse and they listened to i am the walrus once quit school formed a band and became can my german crap rock boys <laughs> that i love so very very much so i like to joke that i'm the walrus is the most important song because i i like them their stuff's good <laughs> i like them and they are <laughs> okay how about well my guitar gently weaves we, we should we should get to that one that's a big one right yes it is it is some say it's george harrison's best song I don't think either of us are those people. I don't think either of us are those people. But 
When you when you ranked it, it was in the seventies or eighties. I want to say it was definitely up there. I'll do my quick sound engineer rant here, mm-hmm. and I'm not blaming anybody because it was the sixties and stereo was new. But boy, <laughs> are some of these songs mixed really strangely? Uh-huh. <laughs> you are only hearing the drums in the right channel on this song mm. and on others, which is like. It's fine. It doesn't mess with anything, but it's like, man, the stuff they pulled with stereo back in the day, people would not do today, and sometimes it shows on this album. I remember Revolver has a bonkers stereo remix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sergeant Pepper also is pretty infamous. He's like Magical Mystery Tour too. While we're at it, mm. I think they kind of got the hang of it by the by '69 Abbey Road. Just I the time remember. for them to break up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't remember anything egregious on Abbey Road, but like, there's this like Gus Johnson has this uh, skit where it's like the left channel of a Beatles album, and it's like him and a bunch of guys, and they're just like slamming aux percussion, and there's like full speed ahead, and there's like full one. Speed ahead. <laughs> tuba or something right (laughs) it's like that's how it is though like (laughs) okay mixing aside though this song rocks yeah i feel like there was isn't there a eric clapton feature on this one there is i think he gets two chances to solo nice george brought him in because the other three weren't like giving the song a fair shake he's like well if eric clapton shows up you have to take me seriously (laughs) play your guitar Eric, you three-time rock call inductee you. <laughs> <laughs> On another note, um, Savoy Truffle goes hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're talking about guitar-focused... Uh, yeah, the, the, the George Harrison composition, since we dropped Piggies in the Animal Trilogy. My, I love, you know my favorite part. Cream tangerine. Pineapple hot. <laughs> this is like, I know I mentioned this in the Tom Waits episode, but this is like the most Muppetsy song on the whole album. Like Ooh. that. I could just like see that being in the Muppets for some reason. And they have had songs on the Muppets. A lot of Rubber Soul has been on the Muppets for some reason. That Beatles and Muppet rainbow connection. <laughs> They did, like, You Don't See Me, but it's, like, ghosts singing it, which is, like, funny. (laughs) I'm also a big fan of Dear Prudence. It's a pretty one. It's a nice build. It's pretty organic. It's not, like, big out of nowhere. It's all earned. Yeah, back in the USSR, into Dear Prudence is, like, a really nice duality to start the whole experience. Yeah, when you have 30 tracks all in a row, you really want a big opening one-two punch in the the archetype of pretty interesting Beach Boys-inspired rocker into like this gentle little ballad about wanting someone to come out and play pretty simply. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't it about when they were in that Indian retreat and there was someone there who was like kind of meditating and just doing their own thing? It's like, come on, join us. Yeah, we want to yeah. be social. <laughs> It sounds nice, though. Yeah, the yeah. Name. And that um, that guitar line was like da 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 da. da, oh, da the guitar da, work da, is gorgeous what? on this one. Yeah, and there's that like little piano that kind of sounds like a car horn or something. And yeah, I think Prudence is a cool name to pick for this because Prudence itself, like d- defining it, is like 
reservedness. Yeah, the, the White Album is the Beatles album with the most female names on it, between Dear Prudence and Julia and Sexy Sadie. And is there a fourth one? Um, Maybe... Martha, uh, my dear. I don't know words. Martha, my dear. Martha, my love. Oh, Written that's... about Paul McCartney's dog. <laughs> if you didn't know, listeners, it's a love song to his dog, and it's like, you it, know, it kind of rocks. Like, this is by far the better of his granny music contributions to the. To yeah, the I was White gonna say album. if you if you compare that to like Honey Pie, I'd probably, I don't know, <laughs> like that main little melody of just like the, it's charming. It's not quite all of its twenties roots there's some like little twists and turns that yeah remind yeah. you it's it's a period piece not a relic or something right whereas i can't say the same for uh the unwild honey pie if you will. <laughs> the unwild the tamed honey pie now she's hit the big time the refrain i'm in love but i'm lazy is just so funny to me <laughs> it's like you know what dude same <laughs> i feel like whenever i think of honey pie and this is such a such a bridge here. Um, I think of there's a song from Adventure Time oh. where Jake the dog, Finn the human, and Susan Strong are all on a boat together. Mm. And John DiMaggio as Jake the dog is like, I'm on a boat with a couple of wackos, and it's kind of like that 1920s like steamboat jazz. <laughs> so all I can think of is Jake the dog when I hear Honey Pie. Um, oh, I had something I was gonna say about something. <laughs> okay okay man that's, that's cool <laughs> was it about the, the hit song helter skelter on, on the white album oh yeah <laughs> sure we can sure <laughs> when i get to the bottom I come. the heaviest song of all time at the time because he wanted to top i can see for miles by the who which and was, that they did yeah and then topped again the next year by 21st century schizoid man gotta love those sax lines <laughs> not topped since <laughs> yeah man yeah, we, we've been trying i mean metal's got like some songs i guess but, <laughs> but I mean, it can't beat those ripping sax solos oh man that's another album we'll probably cover as i know yeah. i'm so excited to cover at least that group yeah whether or not it's that specific record i'll probably pick red next season you would yeah <laughs> Because, like, Kurt Cobain loved that record. I don't, I don't remember if it was included in his all-time faves, but he was a big fan. Kurt Cobain has some awesome influences. Yeah. Uh, coming back to Helter Skelter, though, I remember <laughs> I heard the song so much as a kid because I had that Beatles rock band, and there's an, like, achievement if you 100% clear, like, if you get every single note on drums on that song and the award is called i've got blisters on my fingers yeah man did which, you get it no <laughs> which is like it's not a difficult drum part but it's like enough switch ups you know ringo star ringo star i would never call him one of the best drummers of all time but i will never call him a bad drummer either oh. i know a lot of people like to you know dunk on ringo ringo rocks and you should be sorry for yourself if you Atone. get off on if you get off on dunking on Ringo Starr, Ringo Starr is my favorite Beatle aside from one other Beatle. <laughs> so be nice to him. Dude, I love George Martin too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this song is 
It's interesting. It, it kind of jams on, like, one chord for a long time. There's, like, that, that weird little fake-out ending. The endings, in general, on this record are not linear, are not typically that pertaining to the rest of the song. You'll get, like, little curveballs in the last 30 seconds, and I just find that fascinating when you're considering 30 tracks where about half of them do that in some context. Yeah, and I know that um, a lot of especially John Lennon's influence on the writings of Lewis Carroll, yeah. mostly manifest in Magical Mystery Tour, the album uh, prior to this. Um, but I feel like a lot of that still translates over to here, even if it's not as overtly in the orchestration, rather in the form, where there's like that foreboding, wilting onion in Glass Onion, or if it's that kind of like weird unrelated tag to cry baby cry oh dude yeah, that's my favorite song on here hey nice that's a good yeah. pick because like the final three tracks on the white on you got that into revolution oh. night into good night so you got like that little lullaby the eight minute nightmare and then like the well, i guess it's it's still a good night maybe you took like a nap at 7 p.m or something <laughs> or maybe you woke up and then the lullaby is is another lullaby yeah, it's your little 3 a.m you got your warm milk and like your little I don't know what what do people eat at three a.m. a Krabby Patty? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, three a.m. And then they just kind of drift off with... in the modern age, like melatonin, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> how how we've aged. But anyway, I feel like I agree with that. Like the the last three tracks, really, even though they couldn't be more different from each other. I listened to this just a couple times before this podcast. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with it, but Revolution 9 especially, it's not as weird as I remembered it. Yeah, after like going through music school, like, right. like being exposed to Stockhausen and George Crumb and Kaya Seriajo and mm -hmm. like, I don't know, Elliot Carter, it's like, oh, it's his voices and sound right. effects. Like even sure. you know, even albums we've covered has have had songs that are weirder than that. Like yeah, it's it's infamous because it was on a Beatles record, right? And this shown up on like some random late sixties blues band from Louisiana. Sure, yeah. And like all right, <laughs> kind of comparing it to other double albums that kind of have like a big track towards the end. You've got Return of the Son of Monster Magnet on Freak Out by Frank Zappa, and on a more melodic end, you've got Sad Eye Lily of the Lowlands by Bob Dylan and Desolation Row also by Bob Dylan to kind of like round out the because those other two that I cited the. Um, the Sad-Eyed Lady and the uh, Monster Magnet were both the sole composition on the fourth side of their respective double mm -hmm. albums at about 12 minutes each. Do you know, I don't know how much of a Doors expert you are. Mm, somewhat. But The End. It's 11-ish minutes. It's 11-ish yeah. minutes. I don't know if that was had its own side or anything. On I a... think it kind of, because it's like a 44-ish minute record, so my bet is it had some song mates yeah. on the second side there. Okay. Uh, now the track order is a little bit hazy to me. If I'm, I'm just calling it from memory, this is one of the few episodes I'm doing without notes. Yeah, we're raw dogging over here. <laughs> After why don't we do it in the road? Is that I will? Oh, it's either that or don't pass me by. Let me check real quick. Oh, don't pass me by. Oh, you're right. It's why don't we do it? Fifteenth. I will. Sixteenth. Julia. Seventeenth. I think I will is a nice little. They end the first disc or side, or not side, um, or like, you know, record. second side, first yeah, disc. Yeah, second side, first disc. 
they end that really strongly because I feel like why don't we do it in the road is like silly enough to kind of cleanse your palate. And then I will is like, oh, it's sweet. And Julia's like, oh, it's sweet, but also it's sad. I'm Ooh, depressed now. I really like ending the first disc with a McCartney love song and a Lennon love song in that order. Yeah. After a Lust song, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> cover, yeah, cover the bases, I guess. <laughs> and then George would outdo them both with something on Happy Road. Yeah, something is... Another... Frank Sinatra said that's the best love song of all time. That's right. And he knew a thing or two about love he, songs. He has sung many of them. Yeah, man. You can talk with us about Obladi Oblada because we got to at some point. <laughs> it, it is kind of the elephant in the room here. That and Bungalow People Bill. I hate those songs a lot. <laughs> I like them. I like them both, yeah. I think Obladi Oblada is so hilarious. Charmingly stupid. And right. One of my favorite micro genres. <laughs> what, what's the line about I like your face? Hey, girl, I like your face! <laughs> <laughs> they, had, they had some smooth jive talk back in the day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a good thing Paul McCartney's the cute one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Desmond and Molly just kind of living their lives. <laughs> With various various levels of liked faces. <laughs> Playing in the band. There's that burrow in the marketplace. and I grew up in a small town, and this song kind of reminds me of like the farmer's market we used to have. Aww. Which is like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Maybe it was playing in the background when you visited one of those back in the Maybe. day. Maybe. Yeah. Literally, literally Bill also, I think, yeah. goes hard, regardless of people's qualms with the Yoko I like vocals. the Yoko vocals. I do, too. I like how dark it is. Me, too. I like the the chorus doing that, like, major for a bit, and then minor, same melody, and then, like, the verse is being very storybooky and, like, could have been an old Disney flick. That when he looks so fierce, his mommy patted him. <laughs> it's so dramatic. It reminds me of, like, um... Trapped in the closet <laughs> of all things. <laughs> so now that now that I've ruined the episode, because um, <laughs> oh man, I'm an unapologetic lover of all 33 chapters of R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet, despite him being a total piece of shit. <laughs> that that stuff is brilliant. It's so many twists and turns. I never know who is gonna sleep with who next. Who is gonna get introduced? And like, it's the same thing every time, but like, it works. But Bungalow Bill is probably better. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Not that John Lennon's a great person either, but I, yeah. I don't know. I like I like the, the. We should do a problematic musicians tier list of us. <laughs> <laughs> and we both rank. We do like one ranking where it's like how problematic are they, and then one ranking is how much we like their music. Yeah. And some would argue there's some shit on this record, but... I, I would not I, be one of those people. Yeah, honestly, like, I don't know if this is a hot take or anything, but I, th I think this is more consistent than Sgt. Pepper's. Because, like, there's two songs I don't like on that one. It's like, okay, maybe, I don't, I don't remember how many songs I just like on this one. Let's go with zero for now, and I'll fix it later. <laughs> if, if I mean, wrong. I'm a zero on both kind of guy, but you know, you, we've already talked, like... I'm the I'm the bigger Sgt. Pep fan out of the two of us. Yeah, and it's like when you're when you're dealing with Rubber Soul through Let It Be, it's kind of like splitting hairs what your right. favorite of the bunch is versus. And I, I do kind of like that discourse, like the the pros and cons lists of like Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's, Magic Oyster Tour, this one. It's a fun. <laughs> it's fun to see like tier lists of like see what people think 
belongs to, next to each other. Yeah, you get some really weird rankings sometimes. Um, like a friend of ours who shall not be named who puts uh, Please Please Me at number one of the whole discography. And another one of our friends who's been on this podcast called this the worst Beatles album. I, I could see not vibing with the whole... If you're not a fan of double albums, this is like one of the double albums. Mean Mr. Mustard. <laughs> oh, that's not even on this album. Do you want to do a bit where we just like sing a bunch of Beatles songs that aren't on the... Let's not do that. No. <laughs> we can do whatever the you hell ever, we do want. Do you ever have an idea that's so bad that you abandon it mid-sentence? I have. Yeah, uh, I've seen you do it. <laughs> Why did you ask? <laughs> I just, uh, you just wanted to make put an me idle, on blast. idle conversation. Um, I, I should roast myself. It's only fair. Man, we uh, what? I'm trying to remember what we did talk about. What? Yeah, I think we mentioned. We co- talked. <laughs> <laughs> that pause is staying in. <laughs> I'm very giggly tonight, which is kind of adding to the crusty vibe of this. <laughs> Not quite about the Beatles podcast we're currently <laughs> participating in. We talked about the Animal Trilogy and, like, mm-hmm. the Closing Trilogy. Um, we at least name-checked, like, Martha, my dear. Everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. We talked about Honey Pie, and I related it to Adventure Time. I remember that. You know, honestly, with, like, some bleep bloops and, like, half the duration, and, like, Jeremy Shada's voice, it's it's right there. I could definitely hear uh, John DiMaggio's voice on Rocky Raccoon. Ooh. I was going to do, like, a, a make a playlist of, like, songs that I want other people to cover. Uh, what My go-to example is, um, I feel like Adele could just sing the hell out of certain Ween songs. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet do you weren't have expecting an example? Kind. So, like, you know the closer on Quebec that, like, if you could save yourself. Okay, like, her belting that would be amazing. Honestly, there's a few cuts from Quebec that she would really... Like, I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want that it was would, the one that came to oh mind. Oh, my God. I love her voice. Like, Junior has a great voice, too, but, mm-hmm. like... I might love that record even more if she had, like, a few guest vocal features. It's, and, like, she started her career, like, in the 2010s, and, like, that album came out in 2003. <laughs> but when she was making Eleven, she could have been in New Hope, Pennsylvania <laughs> with our... <laughs> I feel like MC Ride on With My Own Bare Hands would really Ooh, destroy... yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Because, like... With my own bare hands, if you, like, doubled the tempo and added some Bjork samples, that'd be on the powers of B. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> well, this rem- this thought experiment kind of reminds me, now that we're kind of focusing in on Ween specifically. Sure, why not? Um, it reminds me of that album, I Can Be a Carpenter, where they just got a bunch of alternative bands to cover Carpenter songs. Most famously, oh, Sonic yeah. Youth covering uh, Superstar. That cover is so good. It's I love so that cover. It good. is amazing. Like, Shout out to Juno. Right. I had a long day at work today, honey, and this is my <laughs> chance to unwind, shoot the shit with the boy, <laughs> crack open a cold one. Do you want a cold with one? The beel- yeah, I want to get some cold ones oh, and, yeah. like, not pause. Yeah. I'll, I'll stay here. Okay, so anecdotes about the White Album. So I mentioned that my dad made it a 22-song version of this, which doesn't even adhere to the thought experiment of what if 
the White Album was a single album, which tends to be like 14, 15 tracks when people do do that, which I am not a fan of. Because if you lose the fun joke tracks, you lose the soul of this record. It's like cutting freaking minimum wage from Flood. You don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? We are officially cracking open cold ones. Mm. That one is pretty darn cold. Yeah, man, you have a good refrigerator. Would refrigerate again. I'd probably give time. my refrigerator a 9 out of 10. Mm, that's higher than you gave the Dreaming. <laughs> like, hey, <boy. laughs> Well, and, <laughs> and five or six other episodes. <laughs> Kevin, listen, the Dreaming doesn't keep my beer cold. That's right. It just keeps my tears flowing. <laughs> my key eye. Uh, really weird music that you can cry to is just my favorite genre. Nice. <laughs> is so. that why you like Sing to God so much? Oh my god. I'm gonna pick that at some point. Um, You'll give it a 6, I'll give it a 2 ten. high. <laughs> you can say a 10. I, okay. That was definitely a case of right album, right time for me. Because it was like 2021, I would pulled an all-nighter. I was like, well, this is the next album on my to-listen-to list for my double albums project. What'll happen? That was the album that killed Mach 2 of this podcast. It is! No one wanted to do it! <laughs> I forgot about that! Not, I, I, I'm making this sound dramatic. There's there's a lot of other factors at play there. But that was we, the last one that we didn't like the one that we, the first one we didn't do. Trying to get nine people in different cities to all commit to like albums that they don't know that well was probably not a sustainable. <laughs> I mean, we literally only did one and a half rotations, yeah. right? <laughs> but um, we've had some of those folks on as guests since that, yeah, Mach yeah, two, so to speak. And we will have some of them. Like I know I'll. I'll just spoil it right away here. John is going to be on our Surfer Rosa episode. Which, as of this recording, we have already recorded, and I can vouch for, is pretty bitchin'. Yeah. If I, not to toot our own horn here at the turntables, cold one cracking open with the boys. Boys. <laughs> Trails off into... Plankton, Krabby Patty, selling with... <laughs> Anything for you, Perch. You do such a better plankton voice than me. That's right, Squidward. And they come with a free chum bucket bucket helmet. Care for one? I knew I should have gotten the turbo. I knew I should have gotten the turbo. You might not be able to tell by listening to our podcast, but Kevin and I, in our in our relationship as friends, there's this tension of who is going to crack and pick a repeat artist first. Right. <laughs> it might take a long time. Cause... Yeah, we know a lot of music. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like the whole victory lap. Like, we, we do Abbey Road after this one, for instance. That'd be... It's just natural. I like two Beatles albums on a music podcast based out however many dozen episodes apart so it yeah. doesn't get redundant. Yeah. Or cites the other episodes this season we've covered in order, mm -hmm. perhaps, but is kind of tired and... I mean, the, the cold one's already open, so, like, I have no responsibility for anything that comes out of my mouth in the next hour. <laughs> and it might get not pretty. <laughs> Cause... I mean, I'll, I'll try and keep us on track here for a bit. Let's uh, talk about disc one versus disc two. Yeah. And then maybe even side one, side two, side three, side four, if we want. Okay, I think that's a good angle, because then we can kind of cover highlights and whatnot. Yeah, kind of hone in from there. So the... 
the fun part about the four sides of the White Album is there's a different number of songs on each side. Nice. It's eight, nine, seven, six, respectively. And there's one George song per side, one Ringo song per disc, 11 Johns and 11 Pauls, and that doesn't add up to 30, so I did something wrong. <laughs> did you count... Oh, that, I might have, like, the, the joke tracks, yeah. I mean, honestly, though... Or is it it might have just been 12 Johns and 12 Pauls. I know those are equal. <laughs> and no more than two of either in a row at any given time. I mean, Sexy Sadie was almost an explicit track. That... Let's talk about that. Yeah. That was I, such a good groove, that little, like... yeah keyboards and the drums and the... it is rather sexy but it's still <laughs> kind of like biting as the, per the intention of the original song which was f you <laughs> yeah it's That's literally the title oh predating CeeLo green by, by... about 42 <laughs> years yeah. was it all right so the Another unofficial White Album trio that I adore is Well My Guitar Gently Weaves into Happiness is a Warm Gun into Martha, my dear. Because <laughs> that's like the classic trilogy trope of like, really good, really good, different? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I am a Martha, my dear, defender to hell and high water. Oh, I mean, yeah, but it also is no My, uh, my Guitar Gently <laughs> Weaves and it's no Happiness is a Warm Gun. The um, Cirque du Soleil Beatles Love Show had a really good track list and it had a really yeah. good... Um, the sequencing yeah. is really great. I really liked that Drive My Car What You're Doing little mashup they did. Mm -hmm. I think it's somewhere in the middle. And that acapella because towards the beginning is fire. I also want to cite the mashup of uh, Within You, Without You and Tomorrow um, Never Knows, Tomorrow Never Knows yeah. which I like better than both of those songs individually. I could see that. It's so good. I'll, I'll do the cop out and say I like all three because I haven't really thought about it, but yeah, I'll get behind that. <laughs> sure, I'll man. take a stand and I'll make people hate me. I like the Cirque Soleil. take the... <laughs> I mean, I, we, we can get snarky here. But... No, nah, they'll hate me for the six I'll give Pink Floyd. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, yeah, didn't you give Wish You Were Here I gave like wish, a six I gave Wishing thing? You Were Here a 6.7 out of 10 at one point in my life. And what did you give Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman? Have you scored that yet? I think I... I didn't score that officially, but I cited it as being a mid-six. Okay, so comparable to Shine On You Crazy Diamond and Friends <laughs> is what you're telling me. This is coming from the guy who ranked Dorkcore 101 higher than the first Doors album in Tapestry by Carole King. <laughs> Man, this is, this is going to be what makes people hate us. Yeah, for those who are unfamiliar, Dorkcore 101 by Kevin on the Bikes is a 101-song Bandcamp exclusive record featuring... Four and a half hours of lore about Kevin from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. <laughs> and, like, it's not... I've only heard it once. And, like, <laughs> that one listen was, like, a trip. Because there's flat out... <laughs> I think it's the 70-something song. There's just a, a full cover of John Cage's four minutes and 33 seconds. <laughs> so I had to, like, check tabs. It's like, is the album still playing? And then it was, like, two minutes and I just, like... That was the hardest I laughed <laughs> in, like, all of January 2021. <laughs> Man, so <laughs> you know the uh, Rubber Soul is 
the most Upper Peninsula Beatles album. I have nothing to back that up whatsoever. I could see that. Okay, though. good. Okay, good. I mean, <laughs> not an non sequitur. I'll even make this uh, an official like music history thing because that was an album that was very influenced by Motown, yeah. and Motown Records is a Michigan staple. I've been to the Motown. Yeah, in, in Detroit, right? Yeah. I, I went there at 3 a.m., so I didn't go inside, <laughs> but I got a picture by it. <laughs> well. But yeah, so you're right, objectively. <laughs> yeah, I will probably pick like a Supremes or Temptations or Smokey Robinson. Ooh, ooh. Or That'll be a Stevie fun Wonder. episode. Yeah, Wonder All Thereof. If you don't like, if you don't at least like Stevie Wonder, you're incorrect. <laughs> I'm like... I, the only complaint I've heard is, like, he's too saccharine or, like, too sweet or too optimistic, which is, like, such a jaded, like, right. negative. Like, oh, he's too happy. I don't listen to happy music. <laughs> and then they strap on their headphones and it's... <laughs> the freaking incel anthem, even though I love that song and that record. I haven't done Radiohead yet, huh? 9.6, if you're curious, audience. I should just shout out scores. <laughs> just so we don't listen to OK Computer on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be kind of like a, an obvious pick. We could maybe do like... Um... I feel like we could make a really interesting Hail to the Thief episode. I was going to suggest Hail to the Thief, actually. <laughs> yeah, I might pick that one. It's, if there's such a thing as an underrated Radiohead album, it's probably that one. <laughs> Yeah, and even even then, it's like people rank it as like fifth or sixth just because in rainbows and kiddie, right? Okay, computer exists. <laughs> it's hard to compete a little bit, but yeah. I like it more than in rainbows because I'm, uh, I like it more. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it rocks harder, and like it's it's a little looser on the track list. Hail to the Thief really rocks. And it pairs really well with the episode Club Spongebob. I yeah. <laughs> the, I forget which track specifically, but it's obviously toward the front half of the album because Club Spongebob is only 12 minutes long. Um, but there's like a soaring Tom York vocal line that happens at the same time as the like clubhouse getting launched through the sky. And I think that's really incredible. That's the kind of thing we do for fun in PowerPoint nights <laughs> and um, ranking things. Rank, yeah. What was it with like men and ranking things? <laughs> I've been in data entry for 45 years. And now now I'm retired and my hobby is sitting, sitting down, down to listen to the White Album. <laughs> Martha, my dear, please don't sit over here, Joe. Don't come over here. <laughs> Is that our third breakfast episode of Joe Para reference in the same episode? Maybe. Wow. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Speaking right there. of breakfast, cream tangerine, tangerine. pineapple. <laughs> Another George tune. He yeah. gets like some of the funnier ones. That and like piggies with the. <laughs> he did. He did long, long, long though, right? Yeah, the intentionally put the loudest song, Helter Skelter, right before the quietest song on the album, Long, 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 which I always have to adjust the dial knob for for like the first two minutes. <laughs> like, is this song even playing, man? That song is a total sleeper on this album. It's underrated. It's like 
I don't know why, but I have this very strong imagery of like you're just standing at the edge of the universe and you're like, you could take that one step further, but you're unsure. And you're like looking back and thinking about where you've been. And this is the song that plays in that soundtrack for me of like, it's been a long time, long time. And it's like so like lullaby-esque almost until it gets like, like that classic Ringo big entrance kind of thing. Yeah, I think he's recovered from the blisters on his fingers by now. <laughs> he gets a few minutes to do so. <laughs> the, the There's a lilt to this one. It's very gentle, but it's also very mysterious. And this this kind of like, it, it pairs well with Blue Jay Way and some of the other George songs. Man, he's... Whew. He writes a damn good song, that George Harrison. Yeah, a lot would say that the two best tracks on Abbey Road are the George songs, the Something and Here Comes the Sun, or at least in the top five. And that, that coda on this one, like that little... Like the weird yeah. percussive... How do they do There's that? just a what lot of instrument? weird <laughs> closings on this record. And we've talked about that a little bit already, but... Would you like to gush about I'm So Tired for a while? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would I would love to do that. Okay, sorry, Bill Thompson. Um, he listens to this, that'd be funny. <laughs> no offense, of course. No offense. We have, our, we have our fun little unspoken banter. The reason that this is my third favorite Beatles song of all time. <laughs> Man, I love these takes. <laughs> They're so, like, new. <laughs> Who has said that before? A new Beatles take. Me. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to myself in the mirror to get myself to get out of the house every morning. And now to other people <laughs> listening as we speak. Listen, listen. I'm so tired. It captures a really specific affect. And I'm going to paint a couple pictures for you. This is a very imagery like pick for me. It's got that like smoky and lilting like closing out the bar kind of feel to it but also it feels in like the production john's voice is so kind of not not to say that there was a ton of processing you can do in post in 1968 but like it feels very vulnerable like a step toward like your vespertine close cocoon kind of miking obviously not to that extent if you hear both of them together you're like okay this one is john is over there and this one is bjork is in my head um how does she do that (laughs) i think it was probably a super close ribbon mic with like i don't know anyway (laughs) um tangents layered within tangents (laughs) again but like it has that similar intimacy even if it's not as like sensually driven if it feels vulnerable in a way that i think kind of combats toxic masculinity even when embracing it on lines like and curse sir walter raleigh who he was such a stupid git (laughs) (laughs) that that kind of feels like the one moment like i'm i'm getting it's like word spaghetti right now so i'm sorry right (laughs) um but like it feels like john is really like treating the listener as like his lover or something and this is like pillow talk and he's like i'm being very honest about my like fatigue and weakness and my i don't know my faults which is in 
in modern uh, patriarchy should not exist. You don't talk about those things. But this feels like a very open and honest, like, slinking, like, I'm so exhausted, but I trust you with this version of myself. Which I think is really special and cool. Um, and the cursor Walter Raleigh is kind of like the one moment where it's like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't. But like, no, this is a good thing. Like doubling back, kind of coming down from that. Uh, I don't know. Wow. You have dug so much deeper into this song than I have. <laughs> like I was just like, oh, he's tired. He's <laughs> like, it's like I'm only sleeping, but like without a backward guitar solo. I... I don't think they're a credible source whatsoever on basically anything, but I did find it interesting to read about Rolling Stone's top 100 Beatles songs. They had um, Day in the Life at number one. They did, yeah. And this was not super high, but still in the top 100. Which I wouldn't have expected, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I was kind of intrigued by that, and that kind of was a gateway into my revisiting this album back in um, you know, early undergrad and being like, wait, yeah, they, Rolling Stone. This is the one of the rare times where I'll say Rolling Stone kind of like has a point. One out of ten, right? Or something. I think less than that. Uh, <laughs> but when you name like a Bob Dylan album and the the album of the year of twenty twenty, <laughs> that like, was ridiculous. I just I will go on public, and I don't care who hates me for it. Rolling Stone just has the some of the worst takes in music. <laughs> yeah, pretty consistently ever since they started. Like they were trashing Zeppelin and Sabbath back in the day when they were like releasing their like, I like, honestly the first four records of both of them are yeah <laughs> in the canon, the rock canon, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And like they really don't like um, Ween either. So fuck you, Rolling Stone and Anco. They hate Anco. They don't like um any prog at all any pop at all yeah. except miley cyrus <laughs> do you think that's like a billy ray connection like... yeah maybe <laughs> miley cyrus just knows enough people in rock to be accepted or something i don't know she did come in like a wrecking ball she did okay that song rocks i'm just gonna say it while we're talking about it we were at trivia night at buffalo wild wings in 2015 and there is like a they're asking four questions like what is the final word of each of these songs in oh, the wow. lyrics and we didn't know the one for wrecking ball is like well i don't know me it's like she's like, <laughs> it's kind of like a it's like a bold statement of purpose like she's she's kind of selfish pop diva yeah that, maybe it's me and like we got that one right <laughs> i think it just closes with a wreck me it's true it does yeah yeah and the Butcherettes cover of it goes hard as gangbusters. Yeah, I... Is, is that officially released? It is. It's oh, on God, the extended God. version of I forget which record. Um, it's, it's a tritone higher. <laughs> as it should be, because uh, Terry's voice can do it. Oof. Like, talk about a cover blowing the original out of the water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but kind of going back to I'm so tired... <laughs> I think that's in a good spot on the record because it is a precursor to even more vulnerability with I Will and Julia. I think Side 2 is my favorite of the four. Me too. It's a lot of short, really, like, honestly, five of these cuts you wouldn't find on other Beatles records. They're here because it is the White Album. 
I'll say, why don't we do it in the road? And don't pass me by. And piggies. <sighs> don't pass me by. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked we about didn't that talk one yet. about that. The one violin yet. goes so hard. It does. And, and like the beat goes so hard. It's so hokey, but like in the best way. <laughs> yeah, and I think I've told you once in a private conversation that like with slight arrangement differences, this could be like a Flaming Lips track. Yeah, honestly. It has the kind of like bones of this a would, Flaming Lips track. This would fit on Mystics pretty well. Yeah. Like really compressed. If you just made it really <laughs> wet and compressed. Yeah. Slot it in like by that Wizard Turns On song or something. Yeah. Just for tonal whiplash. <laughs> I think this one rocks and I if, if you don't like don't pass me by i don't like you at least i don't like your opinions on that song you're probably a great person otherwise there's a lot of people in the rock hall who have not written a song as good as don't pass me by (laughs) it's true it's true (laughs) anywho i will will (laughs) the tim curry cover of i will is just I, wow, no words. You <laughs> the, just gotta hear it. <laughs> same with the Daniel Johnston cover for different reasons, possibly opposite reasons. Yeah. Well, the Tim Curry version's reggae, so yeah, that chucks out. <laughs> <laughs> the The Daniel Johnston version is pretty faithful, but I think thematically, and I've been doing a Daniel Johnston dive as of recent, and his, I've only gotten four records in, but there's really kind of lore to it. Because he repeats a lot of songs, and this fits in with a lot of his aesthetics and his uh, theme of, I will do anything for this person to a dangerous degree, which is what the first four records are about. Maybe even five. Who knows? I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> I mean, I haven't gotten there. <laughs> I'll get there when I get there, I guess. But <laughs> Man, there's a unique sadness to the Daniel Johnston discography. It's just palpable. You can hear it through the speakers. Yeah. And Songs of Pain, honestly, is one of the least sad of the ones I've heard. And that one is it's called, called Songs, Songs of Pain. Pain. And there's in the sequ- uh, there's a squeakle, more Songs of Pain. Yeah, that's the one I'm on right yeah. now. That one's got one of, like, I don't. we don't need to get into that right now. <laughs> but we haven't covered Your Blues. Yes, I'm lonely. This is such a good... This is the best blues parody until Generic Blues by Weird Al Yankovic from the UHF soundtrack in 1990. Oh my gosh. Mother's Nature's Son's really sweet. I dig it. Those little, like... What's that percussion thing? It's like... It's like it's not quite hand claps. It's like yeah. a little... It's like a woodblock or something. Oh man, I probably got it completely wrong. I have to. I should. It's very subtle. This is the problem with not taking notes because I would have <laughs> noticed that. Uh, I would have known what it was, but I, taking notes to this would be so weird. Like, this is my yeah. former favorite album of all time. Back in late two thousands, early twenty tens, this was this was it, Chief. Nice. And the Beatles had that for me too. Yeah. It switched between their two quote-unquote most psychedelic which i would actually probably agree yeah yeah that is quite a one-two punch honestly i think 
I think Magical Mystery Tour is a stronger effort of the two, and just like the. I think that too, but because yeah. like George Martin said, the biggest mistake of his entire life was putting Penny Lane and the Strawberry Fields forever off of Sgt. Pepper's because they were singles at the time. Yeah, well, and you, you and I have talked, but I have this the custom order, the custom thingy. order yeah. thing. Yeah, I have a playlist, or I, I guess an order of Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour slapped together into a double album, and. <laughs> I think if that were canon, it would be the best Beatles album. Yeah. Which is like kind of a loaded statement because like just with pure song wise, that's kind of unfair. <laughs> but yeah. pick two of the Titans at once. <laughs> right. That that would that be... might even beat out Soft Bulletin for me. Who knows? Whoa. Dude, I, I I'll believe it when I guess you won't score because it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, so <laughs> I can I can give it like a a thought experiment score if I really want to, but but I don't really want. To. Maybe someday. You know, it's bad when we're scoring our own personal custom fiction versions <laughs> of albums. <laughs> Album fanfic time. I don't know what we haven't covered yet. Yeah, I um... think we have touched at least a little bit on everything. I guess we haven't talked about everything. There are two tracks at the end of this album that we haven't really talked about. Revolution 1. We also haven't talked about that. <laughs> there is a point in my life where I ranked this higher than the single version, but I've realized that my mistake since. For me, it depends. On, on like Tuesday, the single version's better, but on Thursday... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I So I went to this, and this is not usually my speed, but my dad got free tickets through work for this like... It wasn't Beatlemania, but it was a like thing where a group was touring through and played Beatles songs with accompaniment by like an orchestra, which was very cool. And they played Revolution 1 into Revolution, like kind of split it in half. Um, and so like in the second like half, that. it picks up. And I was like, I dig that mashup quite a bit. And I guess that is to say I dig this version quite a bit, even if... Um, on the wrong day, it might kind of overstay its welcome just based on its slow tempo. It's impressively lethargic. <laughs> yeah. This feels like they're, like, sitting in lawn chairs, especially with, like, John being, like, saying... I forget what he says in the beginning, but there's, like, actual dialogue you hear before it starts as, like... As well as some, like, acoustic strumming, and I'm like, yeah, this is them in lawn chairs, like... You say you want a revolution, well, you know, please pass me the beer, shooby-doo-wop, shooby-doo-wop. <laughs> it's kind of Beach Boys-y, even. Yeah, people will often cite the opener back in the USSR as a Beach Boys well, pastiche, yeah. too. I just love the trope of, like, Beach Boys write 50 songs about surfing in America, and it's like, let's do a song about the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, Paul McCartney, am totally from. Because <laughs> I have been dead since 1966, and I've reincarnated as... Kevin Thompson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Paul died, and I am now him. I've fixed the conspiracy. He's the walrus. I'm dropping mediocre records in 2010s. <laughs> Let's not hate on New too much. I didn't mind that one. Okay. Well, it, it's got its highlights. I don't know if as a record it would hold up super well, but it has its highlights. And I respect that Paul is trying new things with it. Yeah. 
even if it's a five. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll pick it just to see what it actually is. <laughs> just force yourself to score something. It's like, well, that's going in the podcast. I've done that before. I'm trying to think of an example from this season. Mm. But I have done that before. Sometimes I'll throw something in the queue. He's like, what would Stitch think of this? It's <laughs> like... Not, I'm not sure if he'll like it, but it'll probably be interesting to talk about. I mostly just weaponize it and be like, I want Kevin to listen to this album so bad. I do think it's interesting that they chose to do just a white album cover for this kind of I think it's very blank canvas. Yeah. Sergeant Peppers and Margical Mi- Mar- <laughs> Marger and Mystery Breakfast. It's, it's after 11 p.m. Can you tell? <laughs> you can- Margarine, can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> It, but it was walrus. But blubber nuggets. <laughs> they're chewy. Blubber nuggets. They're chewy. Okay, so Doug Dimmadome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmadome. His hat is white. Yeah, he'd be a white album guy. He is a white album guy. I think canonically. I think he is in the continuing story of Bumglow Bill. He's just one of the characters. He's a feature, actually. Yeah. If you listen closely, you can hear him say, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Bungalow Bill. That's right. What did you kill? That thing over there. The, the big carcass over there. I like your face. It's chewy. Girl, I like your face. Dude, that, that is a pickup line that needs to come back. Hey, girl. I like your face. I like your face. I also like your... That could get really bad really quick. <laughs> I feel like the, the statement of, hey girl, I like your face, like, that that sounds like it could be delivered, like, palpably by, like, an adorkable guy or something like that. If like, they're, like, attractive-ish, it works. If they're not, it doesn't. <laughs> if Michael Sarah said that to someone, it would work. And okay. don't tell me it wouldn't. So, Michael Sarah strikes me as, like, a, he really likes Hard Day's Night. He would he would really like Hard Day's Night, but he would be Abbey Road at the end of the day. I think yeah. that might be his like Abbey Road number one, Hard Day's Night number two. Like yeah. he'd have a cool second pick. He would. I think Hard Day's Night is my favorite of the first five, like by a landslide. Like, what would I say to that? Oh uh, yeah, I, I think it's like flat out. I ranked it like two points higher than the surrounding <laughs> records. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I mean, I I am a please a please me empathizer, but it still doesn't hold a candle to Hard Day's Night. You got Shoulda Known Better, If I Fell, um, Title Trick, and I Love Her. Things We Said Today is another sleeper Beatles song that I really like. Remember when we ranked the songs, and there was one track from this album that was ridiculously high for me. Oh, tell that... me why you cried. Tell you Okay, that's another Bob. It's so good. I think that's the happiest album the Beatles ever made. Yeah. Just like raw, just like, I'm in love with you. Wow. <laughs> you can't buy it. That's right. That's not, that's not that. Man, wow. That's a good one. We should have done that. There's so many iconic Beatles songs that we're not even intentionally mentioning some of them. And it's just <laughs> happening. <laughs> I sh- we should have picked that. We should have picked that one. I should have got that. I should have got that. Give me, give me that. Give me that album review. Give me that. This has nothing to do with anything we've said, but For No One on Revolver is oh. the most heartbreaking song. Oh. And it's like in that horn solo. But that's not in the White Album, so it's... It's on an album with a White Album cover. I think Revolver might be my favorite Beatles album cover. Maybe That same. collage is really cool. It is neat. It's like 
people there's like someone twirling spaghetti in one of their hairs if you like look really closely <laughs> on the vinyl i know there's uh a few years later gabor zabo has an album cover that's inspired by that one i like albums that the cover is intentionally a reference to another album cover are you about to bring up mothers of invention right now oh yeah that's the obvious one <laughs> the fake sergeant peppers i um we're only in it for the money is like kind of like low-key a precursor to like to pimp a butterfly and like a really weird like <laughs> t- <laughs> the, the vibes in the genre couldn't be more different but the whole like a lot of text intermingled between the tracks like very cohesive narrative it's like hippies bad instead of like a really nuanced portrayal of growing up black in america in the 21st century <laughs> I'd cite both of those albums as equally cynical, which is kind of a weird... Ooh, yeah. This is such a, like, a... Although I don't know if there's an equivalent of Bowtie Daddy on <laughs> T-Pam. And there's not an equivalent of how much a dollar costs to Black or the very end. While we're at it. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're 47 years apart in release date, but, um... I Now that I think about it, Kendrick probably has other influence. <laughs> Oh, Kendrick listened to Whirly in it for the money and was like, I can do that. <laughs> and this just, just doesn't matter. <laughs> as much as I love late 60s Zappa, yeah. all of those records have at least a couple tracks where I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is here now, okay. Which man. is not what I'd think about the White Album. Because <laughs> let me tell you, man, I am in love with good night it's just a perfect closer oh yeah it's, i think that's so the sweet. only one we haven't it's talked so about sweet. it's ringo you you did it again i oh. you you could sing the phone book i hear you put on a really good show even in your 80s oh my gosh mm-hmm. i mean this one is one of my favorite closers ever especially with the kind of hectic and seemingly non-associated tracks that precede it this is like, all right, you've we've covered all this ground. Now you can go on and the Beatles closers everywhere. Run for your life, like shouldn't be the closer of Rumble Soul. <laughs> it like, should be in my life. It's filler with really cruel lyrics. <laughs> right. It's like you thought that one song on the Blue album, uh, no one else. I hate that song. That song is marketedly the worst one on that record. Like by miles and it's really disappointing it's the second track right it's right after my name is yeah, jonas it's like i think so clunkers in the track too so I no wait i think it's album. third i think because it's I'm, uh I'm the world sh- has turned okay but anyway back to your point about run for your life being the standout bad oh no one else is the second track i just fat checked you oh well Yep. Maybe I'm just thinking of my ideal version of the Blue Album that doesn't feature that song the, at all. I will say the Buddy Holly Undone Sweater song, Surfwax America, saying it, so, like, that quartet, like, wow! <laughs> I, I won't say what my score for this album is. Pitchfork gave it a ton. But it's very high. They gave Pinkerton a ton, too. They'll just give anything a ton except for anything released this century. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hold the those two albums as highly as Pitchfork, but I do hold them higher than a lot of people who don't think it's serious enough, quote-unquote. I think that, like, everyone to some extent likes some Weezer, but, like, some people just will never admit that even to their deathbed. Which is 
<laughs> why you lying? Uh, going back to Beatles closers. Yes. Um, gosh, they, they had such a run. Like tomorrow never knows. Into day in the life. Into all you need is love. Oh. Into good night. Into the end slash her majesty. <laughs> Into what is it, Long and Winding Road, and at Let It Be, or is it the No, it's Get, get, get back. back. Okay, that that one's not as impressive as some of the other ones I read. Yeah, off, but I, Long and Winding Road. Some people say that's that one's too schmaltzy to ever be the closer. I know our friend Bryce Jackson, who you you should know. You may remember from our Sonic Youth episode. Yeah, um, I think the record should end with Long and Winding Road. I think a little schmaltz is good. I saw a letter that. Paul McCartney wrote to Phil Spector being like, remove this, remove that, make yeah. this louder, don't ever touch my tracks again. <laughs> <laughs> it was written in like 1970, like right after it was released. Oh my gosh. There's, there's a lot of little like random historical tidbits. I mean, what biggest band of the 60s is going to be? Yeah, there's going to be uh, stories. <laughs> I rattled off all those closers and Goodnight is a special, it's like a... I think it might be my favorite closer. Maybe not like favorite song of those, but like favorite mm-hmm. as a closer of those. Especially after Revolution 9. You got all that music kind of crap, and it's just like, let's lull you to sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't like say the, number nine anymore. It's like, you know, Alice is falling down the rabbit hole, but then she like wakes up and is like, oh yeah. And like drips back into normal sleep. I know you've kind of made a similar uh simile i did at baldwin wallace university have the baldwin wallace beatles festival yeah and i saw their 2013 concert of the white album and they played the track they didn't try to recreate it with like voices and microphones but they had Mm. uh two interpretive dancers oh and something about like tightly choreographed movement to loose sample-y dialogue heavy you know, Revolution 9. Mm-hmm. I, I was very memorable in, like, a very specific vibe. It was kind of David Lynchy. <laughs> that song is kind of David Lynchy. Yeah, honestly. Like, it could have been an eraser head or something. Yeah. I, I guess we... If we didn't cover all 30, we'll... It's the Beatles. It's the Beatles. You know, <laughs> they can suck it up. I think we have, though. I think yeah. Goodnight was the last one we haven't really dove into. We talked about Your Blues a little bit. We talked about Mother Nature's Son, which I don't think we covered last time. Yeah. Do we want to talk about our final feelings, thoughts, scores, emotions, uh, till death do we part? Yeah, man. <laughs> so, talking about the Beatles, is it feels different than any other band. And I, it, I, I'm probably just like projecting that since like they were one of my first like musical infatuations it was like Mannheim steamroller and then the beatles yeah <laughs> for like early we're talking like single digit years of my life and we would just we would play rubber soul 50 times in a row play the number one hits compilation 50 times in a row just like loop them forever and like yeah some like core memories of just being in parking lots like waiting for a piano lesson or like being picked up from school and it's just the beatles were always there for those and the White Album was, I might have mentioned this earlier, uh, it was a big deal because like, it was it was for Kyle's eighth birthday. Yeah. And I got to listen to it before him, so I was like... Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> this was before you could just like click on something on Spotify, let alone have a cell phone, because mm-hmm. I was like 10. <laughs> this is like a very long personal anecdote <laughs> about like... That's okay. Yeah. 
And so the White Album, the the long, sprawling, 30-track behemoth, it's unique both for an album and for a Beatles album. I'll I'll talk about Beatles album first, because, like, it's it's the big one, the long one, the messy one. The first one where it's tangibly like they're gonna break up at some point. Yeah, <laughs> like when you when you look at all the behind the scenes stuff, it's like things ain't right here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's part of like a broader cultural shift from like 1967's Summer of Love, psychedelia, everyone's happy to 1968's like stark civil rights, multiple assassinations of like MLK yeah. and Robert Kennedy and frequently cited as like one of the worst years of the 20th century and it's fitting that we have like the grittiest rawest most intentionally sloppy mm-hmm. in a lot of ways i i read a quote i forget who said it we can edit and post that like this is the first album in rock history to use bad songs as a weapon oh <laughs> i kind of like that because like and any Joe Schmo can be like, these five or six songs on the White Album are the ones I would cut, and I don't like it now. And, and it's perfect now. It's like, these 25 songs are, like, my ideal White Album. And I think it's interesting that, that those songs would be different by person, too. Yeah. Like, you could ask 20 Beatles fans, and, like, I've even met people who are like, my least favorite song on this album is Well, My Good Chart Lights Only Weeps. It's like, I don't like it at all. It's like, it's, it's overdone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... But, like, I love Wild Honey Pie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess any time that you're going to have three songs all in a row, there's going to be a lot happens, of yeah. about them. Yeah. So there's this, like, interesting historical context behind it. Um, I guess it's their third from final. I guess they released uh, Yellow Submarine soundtrack the same year, which is, like, four really good new songs and a bunch of George Martin okay. And then you got... The, the final two, like, when you think about it, like, they were in the limelight for, like, seven, eight years, and then just kind of all went solo. hmm And this big... <laughs> I think I keep saying the word big, but, you know, 93 minutes, 30 songs. Um, it's the biggest they get. Yeah. And I like that this album kind of made it unofficial to have the double album be a rite of passage for for a band at some point in their mm-hmm. career yeah uh it wasn't the first double album i think uh bob dylan and frank zappa beat them to it a couple years ago among possible others yeah, yeah those are probably the most uh, cited blonde on blonde is the first double record and that isn't like a jazz or classical no yeah this has been a lot of talking about the white album and it's a 9.5 for me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah um, I think what appeals to me, I think why I like this record more than maybe some of my, some other people I know who are Beatles fans, is because as an artist myself, I can kind of understand what this album represents. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they're allowing themselves to just do whatever the hell they want the ghost tour album (laughs) it's the ghost tour album because like i don't know if i mean a lot of these songs could have never happened until after sergeant pepper like sergeant pepper was kind of it, it was kind of a gamble kind of not it was a big pivot and i think that was the album that proved to their fan base and to the people funding them and to themselves that like 
they can really do some weird but interesting stuff that appeals to a lot of people, which is a big Venn diagram that a lot of people wish they could fit into, me included. Yeah. And this album is kind of trying to push and stretch the limits of that. And I'm not claiming that it's a super experimental record um, as a whole in musical culture, but in streamlined popular music, this is maybe the weirdest album some people will ever hear. And for that, that's I think it's pretty darn good. And I've kind of talked about why I enjoy all of the individual tracks and the appeal of those. Uh, yeah, I, I won't go on too much longer, but it's similarly a cozy album to me. Um, I have that kind of nostalgia with it. It's one of the two. This and Rubber Soul were the two big ones my dad would play. Um, and that is all to say this is a 9.8 out of 10 for me. Ah, hell yeah, man. This is so well. We did it. That's our longest episode by far. Yeah. Fitting for a double album. Fitting for a double album. Fitting, fitting for, for the season, season closer. Yeah. yeah. Um, going forward for the rest of this year, we encourage you to spend your December listening to new music. I don't know if it's an explicit mission of ours, um, but we do encourage people to engage with new media, whether it's new, new or new to them. Um, exploring music is really important. And so that's why we're going to keep December kind of open if you want to get your kind of last minute uh, new albums in for the rest of this year of uh, 2023. Yeah, that is always our cram all the releases we missed month. Yeah, it's also a good break for us, too. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Yeah, We, we, we did the Beatles. It's like, gosh, there's nowhere to go but less popular from here yeah yeah (laughs) but hey we did it and we had fun and we both clearly enjoy the record if you haven't heard it i won't press too hard for the beatles i mean i think they'll be fine (laughs) they they don't need our um our little podcast to gain new fans at this point um but it is an interesting record and if you kind of had mixed feelings about it before maybe we've changed your mind on a few cuts if not the album as a whole yeah yeah I think it is a beautiful little clusterfuck of a, of a project, and I have, I have a soft spot for all of its blemishes, and I think it is a classic textbook example of the whole is better than the sum of the parts. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to say that this album made that phrase a thing. Yep. Ooh. Yeah, uh, that, that's my decree. If someone has Sleep deprived on... Kevin at the very end says this happened, so it's true <laughs> if someone had played me honey pie and said you're gonna give this album a 9.8 i would have been like maybe it's like i've been i'd have been skeptical but i wouldn't have said no but still like hey i've been funny if it's like oh well, this can't be higher than a nine now <laughs> <It's> such a <laughs> clunker <laughs> i honey pie has grown on me over the years Wild or otherwise. Yeah. And we're, we're talking about individual tracks again. After we <laughs> After that. Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah, happy holidays. Happy holidays to whatever, whichever of those you celebrate. And um, this has been the first full season of Turntables. Yeah, should we uh, clink our cold ones? Yeah, I'm all out of cold, but I have no, no, ones. No, 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 no. <laughs> you do have some. Yeah, that, that wasn't cold. Yeah. I, there's nothing in it. 
I think it's fitting that the outro is kind of like the... It's, this feels like when we're recording Brothers Use Spoon Records and Kyle wanted the song to end five minutes ago <laughs> and I'm just let the keyboard be like, no, I'm, I'm still funny right now, right? <laughs>